Welcome to the State Support Team 11 podcast. I'm your host, Eric Neal. Today, we are joined by Hadley Bachman. Hadley is the Program Manager of Community Development at the Statewide Family Engagement Center at The Ohio State University. Welcome, Hadley. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do at the Statewide Family Engagement Center? Sure. Um, so as you said, I'm the Program Manager of Community Development. And um, really what that means is that I help lead our professional learning um, opportunities that we have. Um, and I also uh, do a lot of work sharing research and guidance um, through our various publications that we put out. Um, and I'm also part of the Middle Ground Research Team. Um, and that's where we study family engagement in middle school. Um, before joining the team at OSU, um, I was a middle school educator for over a decade. Um, and then in my free time, I'm also a PhD student and I'm married uh, with a middle school age daughter of my own. Yeah, we have a lot of things in common. Uh, I also was a middle school educator and I also have a middle school student at home. Um, you know, being the parent of a middle school student myself, I am keenly aware of how challenging of a time it can be. Uh, what are some of the things that students and families face as they move on from elementary school? Yeah, well, right off the bat, I think about how the context of school itself is just really different. So in middle school, um, you have more teachers, uh, you're changing classes, there's not this single point person um, for the concerns of either the kids or the parents. Um, also, um, both kids and their, and their parents and caregivers have to keep track of lots of different expectations, um, the assignments and materials. And then on the teacher side, they also have more students in a day. So they don't know each child in their family as well as an elementary teacher would, um, who maybe would only have 25 or so in a classroom. Um, so this makes it harder for parents and caregivers to fully understand the school world that middle school kids are experiencing because there's just more for everyone to keep track of. Um, and then also middle school kids themselves are different in some critical ways. So they're getting older, they want more independence. Um, while they may be used to want mom looking over their shoulder while they did their homework, um, now they wanna be more in charge of themselves. So they may not share as much with their parents and caregivers about school, um, or they may share a lot, but they may not want parents and caregivers to try to like take over and solve things um, when there are challenges. So they want a chance to kind of try things out on their own. And this makes it harder sometimes for parents and caregivers to, to know quite how to help, you know, to support their middle schoolers in a way that builds them up and helps them grow into these like independent young adults that they're becoming. Yeah, I've, I've had some of these experiences that you're talking about. Um, my, my son is in uh, seventh grade accelerated math and, uh, you know, he, he needs some extra supports. He has ADHD and, uh, you know, his teacher is doing a great job of working with me, but still putting the responsibility onto him. And, you know, I've had to learn kind of how to support and encourage, but also back off and let him figure some of the things out for himself. And it is a big change from that elementary school mentality where I, you know, I, I want to hold his hand and, you know, help him get all the stuff done. Yeah, I think it's, it's challenging for parents because um, they want to do the best for their kids, but what worked um, in the past when their children were younger um, doesn't work as well as their, as their kid wants more independence. And um, so you're left with almost like a hopeless or a helpless feeling. Um, you know, what can I do here? How can I make this situation better? Particularly if you encounter challenges, um, whether those are academic or social challenges, uh, you know, it's, 
parents are often left thinking like, what, what do I have to do? And that can be a source of conflict between um, families in the school. And um, some of the work we're doing at OSU, we're just really trying to figure out how we can uh, minimize that kind of conflict or confusion and um, maximize the support that, that comes from parents and schools working well together. Yeah, another thing is, like you said, there, there's so much variability. It, it feels like there are kind of a lot more standard ways that you can support in elementary school to say, you know, we're just going to holistically do this and it's going to meet the needs of a lot of people. It, it's almost like even within a school building, a large middle school building, you may have lots of different strategies that you may have to think about even just in one school, let alone across all the different types of schools you can find in a district. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for families that are, are large families, they have multiple kids, it's you know really hard for them to keep track of all of those different expectations and different methods of communication. And if their kids on, in sports or in music or something extracurricular, you know, there's all of that to keep track of too. So it can be really overwhelming for parents. Yeah, I, I think that's why it's great to have places where you can reach out and, you know, you guys are specializing over there. You are in middle school. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of times it's really an underserved area as well. You know, people put a lot of stuff into elementary school and then it's almost like you, you've got this weird middle ground and then you jump into high school. There's lots of other supports and things like that focused on graduation and, you know, career training and all of that. Um, it's what, what got you into thinking about focusing on middle school? Um, I think that actually started um, before I joined the team at OSU, um, but they, uh, I, I believe we had, you know, feedback from um, parents on our advisory council and also, um, you know, our partners around the state just mentioning that this was an area where they wanted some, um, someone to kind of step into this um, and, and really and really kind of figure it out. We have a, a faculty partner, Dr. Eric Anderman. Um, his specialty is really around um, motivation and adolescence. And so he's been uh, a really big part of helping to shape this work. And then I just have this um, passion for middle school as a professional, but then also, um, you know, it was very timely to have my own daughter transitioning into middle school, just as we were doing um, our research work and, and looking into what prior studies had, had said about this. So um, I think for all of us on the team, the middle ground team, we all just really have a passion for middle schoolers. They, you know, think that they're cool people and, um, you know, want to help their, their teachers and their families work well together. That's great. So how have things changed for middle school educators? It's been quite a few years since I've been in the classroom and, you know, it, it seems like things are changing exponentially every single year with social media and technology and all sorts of things. What, what do you think are some of the big changes in the past, maybe, you know, 10 years or something like that? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think one fun fact here is that um, middle schools, actually, the concept of middle schools are not, is not really that old. Um, the country's first junior high school opened in Columbus, Ohio in 1909. Um, I don't, not many people know that. So this middle school movement is actually um, really quite young. Um, and, um, but looking like more recently in the last 10 years or, or within my career in middle school, um, I, I, as you mentioned, social media and internet, um, you know, that's a, that's a huge change from, you know, when you and I were in middle school. Um, there's this open portal to both endless information and also potential concerns. Um, it, it's distraction from some of the other things that we want our kids to be doing. Um, and so this has made the job of both 
parents and caregivers and teachers more challenging in many ways. So um, young people want to be independent and they want to make these social connections and they want to explore the world. So it's like, how do we allow them that space while also like giving them some parameters um, and some direction. So that's one of the things that I think has made middle school more challenging. Um, also for teachers, the standards and expectations for teaching and learning, those have just become much more rigorous and more visible. So, you know, the results of your classroom, you know, they're out there and people and people see it and they can look up your data and things like that. So as a result, I think that that's meant a lot more pressure on teachers um, to pack in a lot of learning into a short time. Um, sometimes that comes with a price. There's less time to spend transitioning their students and, and their families into this new stage, you know, getting to know each and every one. Um, because, you know, sometimes that can lead to this just frantic nature of trying to get all, you know, cover all the content. Um, and then, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic um, in some ways has given both parents and educators a better sense of and respect for what each of them does, um, but it's also worn, worn us all out, right? It's worn out teachers and parents and just about everybody else. And so um, I think that that's highlighted how important it is that we are gentle and kind with each other, that we assume best intentions in each other's work and you know, in each of our contributions, um, we respect those so that teachers and parents can keep working together as partners to support middle school kids. Yeah, I've, I've noticed those those conversations for me have been so challenging because as the adult, you know the pitfalls and you know the the warning signs and the things that you need to look out for. But you know, like you said, as as a middle school student, someone who's finding mm -hmm. their place in the world, you want to learn and know everything, but you don't know what's out there. So you think I can handle it, but you don't know what you might run across. And and that does make it challenging. You know, the the first instinct is I just want to like turn it all off. Like you just, you just mm -hmm. can't have social media, but then you put yourself in that, that person who's trying to build relationships and fit in and do this. And it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like an elementary school student. I, I can't have social media, you know, have you yeah. noticed some of those own challenges in your own? Yeah, time? I think, Oh, absolutely. I'm, um, my, my daughter, uh, started walking herself home from the bus stop um, a couple years ago. And so we got her, her, you know, her very first phone because I wanted her to be able to reach us if she needed us. And um, we realized we were just like opening up this Pandora's box of, you know, there's, we've been able to like protect what she's exposed to. And all of a sudden there's this thing she has that opens the world to everything. So um, I think there, you know, parents can really benefit from um, hearing how teachers you know, teachers have been setting rules in their middle school classrooms for a really long time and, and really great middle school educators know that, you know, building rules together with students and, and setting um, kind of our norms and consequences for breaking those that that um, works better than just saying like, here's the rule, you're in trouble. Um, because then the kids get a sense of ownership of it. And so I tried to apply that same um, standard with my daughter, with like her, you know, this phone and you know, how can we set some rules together? And we've had to keep talking about and negotiating those. Um, I think schools can really help um, families see those options by, especially if, if it's a family's first middle school student, middle school age child, you know, we're, we're still learning how to parent as we parent, right? And so, you know, the school's seen a lot of kids in this stage and when they can um, share um, with parents, you know, here's, here's some ways that you can set boundaries without getting as much push, pushback or, or even, you know, here's a new trend or app we see coming up with kids that you might not know about yet. You know, they, 
teachers and counselors are just exposed to so many more kids than could possibly live in one home. Um, you know, you just see more variety of different things. And so, you know, having been a principal before, I knew some things that I wanted to make sure to shield my daughter from or some protections I wanted to build into place and um, things maybe she wouldn't have known about. But, you know, if the schools can share that with all families, I think that equips um, parents to really, you know, do their job well. Um, and, and then I think they can also keep the school uh, informed about, you know, when bullying happens or when there's, you know, text message threads. That's enormously helpful for the school to know about when some of those are going to disrupt the, the learning time at the school. So it's really this two-way conversation to make us both each be better at our jobs of, you know, supporting kids to their best potential. Definitely. I, I, I think it's been a challenge for everyone because, you know, almost the way that if you're the first time middle school parent, you know, schools had to figure some of this stuff out on the fly as well, you know, uh, social media beefs and things that would carry over into school when they didn't even really know what was going on at the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think it's been a, a big learning curve for everybody. So what, what are some of the things that schools can do to engage the families of middle school students specifically? Yeah, so, I mean, when I hear that word, like engage family, like that, that idea of family engagement, um, I think before I really started digging into this um, research about middle school family engagement, I really thought about family engagement as like events at the school. You know, how can we get more families to attend events at the school? Um, but I think that we need to step back and really define first what it means to engage families. And so school-based engagement is for sure like one realm, and it's a very important part of it. Um, it helps parents picture the school and things like that. Um, but there's, but for the middle school age in particular, there's other even more valuable family engagement practices because when you think about it, you know, kids want that independence. They don't want their parents showing up at the school all the time. That can't be the go-to family engagement strategy for middle school kids. And so um, you, the school knowing about and families also knowing about these other these other ways that families can be engaged. For example, um, one of them, which I didn't really realize was so impactful um, before I heard this, is this idea of home-based in involvement, home-based engagement. So helping with, you know, the, all the things parents do to help with homework strategies, with organization, you know, do you have your lunchbox? Did you bring home your coat? Um, talking about, with kids about what they're learning and experiencing at school. Um, so all that like really helps set the kid up to look good when they get to school because they're prepared, they're organized, they, um, they haven't lost something, they're not feeling stressed. And so that's a really important part of that partnership where um, families can set the kids up to be ready um, and, and that's, you know, these adults that are working together um, for them. So then another one is something that, um, this is like a very academic term, but researchers call it academic socialization. So really all that that means is um, talking about the value and usefulness of school, um, linking um, school learning to the real world, to future goals, um, helping to build hopes and dreams for future education and career. So um, that all sounds nice, but it's hard to do when you don't know what the kid's learning at school or how it does um, connect to the real world or future goals. Um, so research and family engagement has demonstrated that the, this home-based and academically supportive family engagement is really the most impactful for middle schoolers. Um, it occurs in their private space in their lives and sets them up to be successful independently in the public spaces that they go into. So schools can support those types of family engagement um, by helping to uh, share to families that they see their efforts at home and that those are valuable, like 
families just feeling that gratitude is important. Um, and, and then another thing that I would suggest is that families, and I, I talked about this a little earlier, but families just helping, I mean, schools helping families understand the middle school context. So going, going beyond just one back to school night. So this means communicating early and often about all those things families need to know about the structures, the norms, the routines. Um, those should come from school level and a classroom level. Um, there should be a point person in the school so they don't have that classroom teacher anymore, but you know, homeroom teacher or the counselor that's assigned to them, but who can, um, who can the middle schooler go to during the day for help if they need someone who's on their side? Who can the parent reach out to if they have questions or if they wanna give some feedback? Um, and then as much as possible, just like streamlining communications and um, keeping families in the loop about what's being learned in school, so. Yeah, it, it sounds like um, it, it's more about helping families to engage in their middle school experience more than it is be showing up and being at their middle school. Like, you know, yeah. no more class moms, no more, you know, baking cookies for everybody. All yeah. That stuff. It's, yeah. Help, helping them to get the most out of their middle school experience. Right. Absolutely. It's like, um, I mean, we talk at our center a lot about this um, student success is like a space launch. And so, um, you know, if, if we really want the kid to be launching into their best future, you know, we are all working together in our separate roles to make that happen, but we're not the stars of the show. The star of the show is the kid. Um, and so it's, it's about kind of taking ourselves a little bit out of the picture and, um, but, but ensuring that we're like doing things that really set up that kid for success. So um, let's say in math class, if I'm a math teacher, if I'm teaching students how to best study for tests, for example, um, and, and we're doing that in the classroom. Well, a simple way to, support family engagement with that is to then also send home those tips to parents and caregivers, either a short video clip or a quick message on something like Remind. Um, that way, parents and caregivers know that they should be seeing that at home and they can support and prompt their kids to actually use those strategies. Otherwise, the kids just leave and then they forget and um, or the parent tells them to study in a different way and now we have two different competing messages. So just helping families understand what they can do to help. Um, my daughter's um, math teacher last year, she was, uh, they were doing, it was during the time when they were virtual. And um, she had explained to the kids how they could get help when they were confused about something, but she hadn't explained that to me yet. And so, you know, when I heard my daughter was confused, I was like, you know, why can't you ask her? You know, I would like immediately jump to, uh, to thinking, you know, right, defense. <laughs> um, and I want her to do well. And so, you know, when yeah. your kid's struggling, it feels like very personal. So, um, but then I, talked to the teacher, I just sent an email and, and found out she actually had this whole system for kids to ask for help. So instead of, you know, my daughter getting to this panic point and then coming to see me and then I'm like, ah, I don't know how to help you with this math. Um, now I knew like, well, did you send her a private chat? Did you ask to go to the breakout room with her? You know, there was this whole like process. And so knowing that helped me just really support her a lot better. Yeah, a uh, big shout out to my son's seventh grade math teacher, Miss Alonzo at Jackson Middle School in uh, Southwestern City Schools. She has this email she sends out every week to all the parents that has it broken down by day, everything that they work mm -hmm. on in class, what the homework assignments are, you can click on examples and all of these things so that I'm able to, if he needs something, jump in and support that or if he says, hey, you know, I don't have anything today, I'm able to quickly go and look without having to reach out to her and say, you know, hey, did you guys assign homework? It's all 
in one place, you know, if quizzes are coming up, Hey, make sure, you know, everyone's studying. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been really, really helpful to me to, to help be involved at a reasonable level. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, like you said, I have all that information. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, shout out to my daughter's school. She goes to um, the Metro school in Columbus. And um, one of the things I love that they do, and it seems so simple as a parent, but like, I know how much work goes into doing it. They do their, they send home a weekly grade report just automatically through their grade system. But these teachers grade things and have them, their grades in there and comments and feedback and and also comments about when their office hours are and they can get extra help. And that comes home every single week and it's never delayed. So it's never like um, she turned something in a week ago and it's not graded yet. Like it's all right there. And so I just, you know, big shout out to the schools that are doing a great job with this. And, um, you know, we have so many ways of connecting with each other now through all different kinds of, you know, media platforms that I think that makes it a little bit easier for schools. Definitely. So what are some things that parents that we can do to support Mm -hmm. our middle schoolers while giving them the space to be self-sufficient? Because I think, like you said, we all, we want the best for for our kids and it it is, it's a challenge to step back sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it really is a balance. So um, I, I like to think about parenting efforts, parenting a middle school. It's like, it's like an iceberg. This is a metaphor a lot of people use about a lot of different things. But so, so much of your support and cheerleading and reminding is this is happening at home and it's kind of beneath the surface. It's unseen by the school. Um, but what that's doing is bolstering those visible results of your kid growing into this independent young adult. So um, even in my own parenting, I need to remind myself of this regularly. So uh, recently my daughter uh, struggled on a quiz in her PE class. So it's tempting to get involved, right? To contact the teacher about that grade or, um, or else it heavily impose my way of studying on her. Um, so instead you, you have to remember that it's about scaffolding the, the middle schooler to be able to do those things themselves. So I might ask her questions like, have you contacted your teacher about when you could retake this quiz or um, what did you do to study the first time? What didn't work? What could you change to make it more effective? Um, and sometimes it's, you know, we've set up such a busy family schedule that she doesn't have time to study. So just, you know, that two-way conversation with her, how can we make sure that you have time to do this? Um, so, so that's really, it's like, it's like giving that the tools and the thinking help. It's like having that buddy talk something through with you, um, but still pushing towards those high expectations and that, you know, having standards, um, parenting standards. Um, so that's the other, the other part of it that I think uh, middle schoolers, like when people think of middle schoolers, they think of that, that eye roll, you know, the earbuds in, you know, like mm-hmm. not, you know, wanting to be independent. But a- another thing to remember about, about them as they're growing into these independent young adults is that they do really want um, their parents and caregivers to be involved and help set those structures and limits. So they want you to be a little nosy about their lives. And um, research bears that out. They show, it shows that caregivers who are more aware of their kid's schedule, know what their kids are worried about, their ideas, their daily life, um, the less likely their child is to then engage in potentially risky behaviors. Um, so for this looks like, you know, just asking about their day, which you'll almost always get fine or great or whatever. Um, keeping a close eye on social media usage. Uh, I try to remember my daughter's friends' names and the names of kids that are the you know, the challenges for her currently and to just ask about them regularly. 
Um, so I try not to just stop at how was your day, um, but I kind of go through a list of questions and I see what sticks. So like they can be random, like how's your science teacher? How was lunch going? Um, it's incredible what kind of information that opens up because one of those questions will remind her about something that happened during the day. And then suddenly I'm hearing more about like what she's really thinking about. And then also picking the setting for those kinds of um, conversations really carefully. So for us, it's like on the way to or from sports practice is when we're really connecting. If I'm like grilling her over dinner when she first walks in the door, those aren't as successful times. So, you know, we just had to like test out these different check-in times to kind of figure out which one where, you know, where she's going to open up more. And now I know like she comes in and seems kind of like, upset or moody, like I know, you know, I can save that for the car ride and, and we'll, you know, I'll see if I can get to the bottom of this then. But um, they do want involvement and they want to know that, that it's like they want freedom, but they want to know that it's like safe freedom, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I, I think this really is something that, that schools could think about almost instead of the, just the traditional, traditional parent-teacher conference night or, mm -hmm. or back to school night or things like that. But almost maybe, especially for like those incoming middle schoolers, maybe like mm -hmm. a parent boot camp or, or, or yeah. like something, and it can be virtual. Like there's, there's lots of ways we've learned to not have mm -hmm. to, you know, drag people away from work to be able to do this stuff. But I'm, I'm thinking of something like that to be able to help because just knowing those things are, are, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm already thinking to myself, oh, you know what, maybe maybe ask in a different way or at a different yeah. time or, or those kind of things. Those are really, really helpful tips and, and they're not hard. It doesn't take right. a lot to do that. You just have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really about remembering that the kid is their own, is becoming their own person. So, you know, when you do have those events, like the parent-teacher conferences, the more that they can be student parent-teacher conferences where the students really like getting a chance to show off what they've done and, and what their challenges were. Um, I think the more that the students and we see the student as like this active participant in this relationship, I think also um, that helps family engagement in middle school go a little better. Definitely. Well, if people would like to find out more about you and the work that you do, where should they go? Uh, well, first our website. So that's ohiofamiliesengage.osu.edu. And we have tons of free resources there for both educators and families. Um, our middle school family engagement project is called Middle Ground. And so you find that in the drop-down menu for schools, or you can search for it in the search bar. And then on the Middle Ground page, we have a, a short um, you know, research brief that's easy for busy professionals to read um, that has more tips for engaging families in middle school. And then also some things that middle schools can share with parents and caregivers. We have an infographic about here's how you can support your middle schooler um, in, as they transition into middle school and then a whole social media campaign bundle that schools can use. And then all of those resources that we created for families are translated into the different languages most commonly spoken in Ohio so that those are just ready for schools to roll out. Um, you could also follow us on Twitter at Ohio Engage and my Twitter is at Hadley Bachman. Um, and you can learn more about our work there including useful resources and upcoming professional learning opportunities. Hadley, I wanna thank you again for joining us. It's been real helpful and it, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed being here. Thanks for the conversation. Definitely. Well, that wraps up this episode of the State Support Team 11 podcast. If you'd like to know more about us and the work that we do here at SST 11, go to our website. It's sst11.org. Give us a call at 614-753-4694 or hit us up on Twitter. We're at SST Region 11. 
If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am Eric Neal. I'm at E-R-I-C dot N-E-A-L at E-S-C-C-O dot O-R-G. Until next time, thanks for listening.